Uh, the sermon title this morning is TBH, To Be Honest. How many of you have ever seen this on uh, Facebook, Instagram? Maybe it's just me because I have a lot of friends that happen to be teenagers on such things. How many of you have, have ever posted? I'm looking at you, teen group. How many of you have ever posted TBH? Be honest, come on. Yeah, okay, we got a few. You can't see it over there. We got a few short hands <laughs> like this. Um, how this works, because I understand most of us probably know how it works, but just for the few of you, I'm, I'm being good for you, Norm, I know. For the few of you that don't know how this works, um, a person will post TBH as their status. Some of you don't even know what that is, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask your neighbor next to you. And when they have the TBH on there, people will come and they will like that. And when they, when they like that status, the person that posted the TBH originally will give them a honest statement. Okay, so for example, um, my mother-in-law, she's here this morning. Let's say that she posted TBH on her, on her Facebook page or Instagram account, and I liked it. So now it's her turn to, she would leave me an honest comment, which she would probably put something like, you're my favorite son-in-law. There will never be another son-in-law near as good as you or near as handsome as you. As an example, it's probably what would happen. Um, I see that it happens a lot, and maybe this is because I'm, I'm friends with a lot of teens on there, but I see this happening. Quite often we have the, the to be honest going on up there, and it solicits at times brutally honest statements from one person to another. And uh, it's mostly girls that do it. And, a lot, and I think all of our girls have always seen them just, they put really nice things like, oh, I don't know you that well. You're really pretty though. They'll be like real sweet to one another. I think guys, they'll, they'll do it to kind of gauge where they are with a girl. Like if they're interested, they might like it and just see what the girl has to say about them to get that idea. Um, but sometimes it can get nasty. I've seen, I've seen one or two of them um, get pretty, pretty brutal in their honesty. And what that does is that reveals that um, the person that's getting kind of nasty on there kind of reveals that they are really holding on to some baggage. They're holding on to some weight. They're holding on to something they haven't let go and they're, they were just waiting, just waiting on that person to open up. Just let, just let them put it on there. I'll let them know. I'll let them know how I really feel. Like a cat, you ever seen a cat? They'll get down real crouched down low and their tail kind of does that. That's why I don't trust cats because I see their tails doing that. <laughs> Something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna be hurt. But I, I see that and it, it's such a raw and it's such a, such an informal thing nowadays to do that on social media. But in reality, I think we do this in our own lives. We wait. We're so geared towards revenge, we wait. Oh, that person, she did me wrong. He did me wrong. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to sit back. Opportunity's right. I'll get him. I'll get revenge. I'll take him down. See, this, this to be honest, the TBH, it makes it happen more often, but in reality, we're living this. We're living this brutal, brutal honesty side of it, waiting to get revenge. 
It's just how we are. It's just how we're wired. <clears throat> if you all have your Bibles, let's, uh, let's turn this morning in the book of Matthew in chapter 18. We'll start there in verse 23. You ever known somebody that was like a landmine? They just have one of them personalities. Like you, you don't know. There's no outside indicator. But you know when you've triggered it. They just blow up get so angry at you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He said, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found that his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Let's all pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, Lord, um, we want to come to you. Lord, we want to be focused on you, on what your word would have for us, Lord. May your spirit move through each and every man, woman, and child that is here this morning. Father God, may we be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And Lord, may we just, uh, we reach out to those who do not know you. In your, uh, your heavenly, gracious name, amen. Recap, king decides he wants to get all the, all the money that is owed to him back. He goes to a certain master. The master owes him some money, but before that, the master has a servant that owes him money. So the master goes to the servant. The servant says, look, I'm not able to pay. I don't have anything. And even beyond that, he begins to plead and beg. I'll get you your money. I'm sorry. I will get you your money. Just give me a little bit more time. Just, just give me a little bit more. I just, I just need a little time. I'll get you your money that I owe you. And the master, in seeing this, and seeing his servant plead, has pity on him and says, it's taken care of. Don't worry about it. You're covered. Don't worry about paying me back. You don't have to. We are good. Your, your account is settled. Now that same, that same servant who had his account settled goes out and has someone that owes him money, the second servant. And he goes to him and he says, you owe me what is due to me. And the second servant says, look, I don't have the money. I need a little bit more time. I need a little bit more help. Just give me some time. I will get you your money. Take pity on me, please. And the first servant who was forgiven of his debt says, no way. Chokes him, injures him, and sends him to prison until he can get his money back from him. Pretty brutal, right? Yeah. I'm here this morning to say, you and I have been that first servant. Whether or not you realize that you and I, and I'm talking about myself here as well, we have been that first servant in our life. We've had... Our Lord and Savior, he's looked at us. He's seen us. He's seen the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And he's looked at us with love 
and with pity and forgiven us and our sin debt is, is cleared, it's clean and praise God for that. But then we turn around and find the one that's done wrong to us. We find the one that has taken something from us. Someone that's sinned against us. Someone that's done wrong against me. And I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to forgive it. I'm going to hold on to it. You and I have been that servant. We've been that servant that has choked out our fellow man at times and said, you know what? I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to let it go. It's my hatchet. I'm not going to bury it. I'll do with it what I like. And then sends him to prison until we get to the point where we feel like things are even. It's funny how that never comes. You can do something to get somebody back and never quite feels right. You never quite feel like you're paid up, like things are even. Praise God we don't serve a Lord that is that way, that is in that mindset. Praise God that we serve one that looks at us and looks at us with love, with favor, and looks at us with forgiveness and says, you know what? I know the wicked things. I know the things that they've done in their life. I know their, their evil imaginations. I know that, but when they come to me, I have got to forgive them. I have got to show them pity instead of punishment. I've got to let that debt go because my son paid it all. Amen? Getting a little excited here. What's so easy to do is to look at somebody that has wronged you, somebody that has done something to you, something mean, and it comes in a million different forms. It can be as simple as uh, just ignoring you. She didn't say hi to me at the grocery store. Guess we're not friends. He borrowed my drill, never returned it. Stinking thief. (laughs) We start seeking revenge. I'll borrow his mixer. (laughs) Let's continue on there, verse 31 of Matthew 18. Right after our Servant number one has choked out servant number two, sent him to prison because he couldn't quite forgive him because he couldn't quite get over the debt that he owed him. This is where we pick up, verse 31. When his fellow servants saw saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned, summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And Jesus wraps this up saying, and so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this morning we live in a society, we live in a world where everything is wired with revenge. It's a me, me, me society. Everyone's thinking, how can I make myself feel better? How can I take the situation into my own hands? How can I fight back against that person that's wronged me? That person that has sinned against me. And though the Bible might not have a story about every single 
wrong that, it, that could happen to a person in their life for you to, to look at and read and find instruction on. The Bible does have instruction for a very, very simple thing. What to do when somebody has sinned against you. It won't count down to the details on every single scenario. It doesn't talk about when Martha doesn't look at you at the grocery store or say hi to you. It won't cover that end of it. But it will cover what to do when somebody has actually wronged you. It talks about that. And I just lost my little box right off my back. That part in, uh, in Matthew 18, verse 34, let's look at that again, that one single verse. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. This parable being a picture of God forgiving us and how we are to forgive others. So the master is, is very clearly a picture of, of who God is and God's character of forgiveness. And we, of course, are the, are the servant seeking forgiveness, but at times not showing forgiveness to others. What's, what's very interesting is um, as I was studying this in verse 34 there, that word that says jailers in your version of the Bible, it might say something a little bit different in mine. It says jailers. That translates in the Greek to torturers. In this version, it shows up jailers and others. In the Greek, it translates to torturers. Now, now, if we were to read this and we were to think about it and kind of comprehend what it's talking about, and unforgiveness, when you hold on to that grudge, when you refuse to let that go, you not only trap yourself within a prison of anger, of rage, a prison of hate, of unforgiveness, you not only do that to yourself, you're prisoning yourself, you began torturing yourself as well. It doesn't say that the master did it. Let's make that clear. It doesn't say that the master, we don't see God doing that to us. It says that he turned us over. So when you and I, when we hold on to this unforgiveness, when we hold on to that attitude, we get in a way in a mindset to where we are doing it to ourselves. He's just letting us go over to what we're wanting to do. So you want to hold on to this thing. You want to hold on to that unforgiveness. You want to hold on to that deep down. I'm going to let you have it here. I'm going to turn you over to the jailers. You can imprison yourself all you want and you can torture yourself all you want. I've forgiven. Very, very interesting. I was very surprised to see that translated over to the torture, but it makes so much sense. I've seen people that cannot get along with their life because of things that have happened in their past, things that people have done to them and they simply cannot forgive. And because they cannot forgive, they wear a weight around their neck and they cannot move. Well, I'd like to, I, I wish I would have done this, but I had issues growing up and so-and-so, he did this to me and, and my dad wasn't really there and my mom wasn't, wasn't the greatest mom. And you know what? I've seen people that have hold, held on to those things that have really held on to them and they let it get them down. But I've also seen people that have had very, very serious issues growing up in their childhood, growing up and being in their adult life. They've had issues that they've had to deal with where people have just severely wronged them. And they've said, you know what? I'm not going to let that stop me. Amen. That sin that someone else did to me, that is not going to become my prison. I'm not going to build them walls and I'm not going to lay that cement. I'm going to be free from that. I forgive it. I learn from it and walk away from it because that is not going to define who I am, what someone else does to me. That unforgiveness is not going to become a seed of bitterness in my heart. 
You hold on to the unforgiveness. You hold on to the grudges, the wrongs that have been done in your life. You will be imprisoned in that unforgiveness. But you'll be willingly allowing yourself to be tortured by it as well. Put your finger in your Bible. We're going to hold on. We're going to jump right back to Matthew chapter 18, but we're going to go to 1 John chapter 2 this morning as well. I'm going to hop around a little bit. Be in 1 John chapter 2, verse, we'll start in verse 1 and we'll read verse 2 as well. Of course, as John writing, he says, My little children, I'm writing things, these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins. Propitiation, I had to look that up, make sure I knew what it was talking about because preacher doesn't always know what that word means. It means settled, satisfied. It was pleasing to God what Jesus did on the cross. It satisfied, it settled the dead in the context of this morning. Things were taken care of with God or paid for. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Understand that you are free and forgiven of your sins because of forgiveness. But also in that verse, it says, not, all, not ours only. You turn to your neighbor and say, not ours only. Some of you didn't do it. I seen you, you're, I'm not doing it. It's all right. Understand that you can be free from your sin because of forgiveness, but same verse that talks about you being free from your sin. It says, not ours only, but right there in verse two, not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You can be free from your sin because of forgiveness. And this is going to, some of you, this, your mind's just going to, you're not going to be able to understand this, comprehend this. Other people can be free from their sins because of forgiveness. The whole world, in fact, he says. Some of you are just, I know, your hair just went back. You were knocked back by that concept. You're forgiven. Other people can be forgiven. So what we have is some of us are still, we're still walking around. We're still bearing the weight. And, and in fact, we're, we're trapped and we're tortured by this, by this sin that someone has done to us. When God has looked at him and said, you know what? He did that. I know that. God sees the wicked intention in that person's heart and sees the selfish motivation and says, you know what? I forgive that. God knows everything about that situation, everything about that scenario. And he says, you know what? I forgive it. I let it go. When we carry the burdens of unforgiveness, we place a shackle. Get that in your mind. We place a shackle upon ourselves that prevent us from experiencing full life. And I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to live just a half life. I want to live a full life. I don't know anyone that wants to just live a half life. I want to live a full life. And in my understanding, the best way for me to do that is to learn to forgive often and frequently because people are going to do wrong to me. And believe it or not, I know I have such a top-notch character. I'm probably going to do some wrong to others. 
If my wife were in here, she'd be saying, amen. Yeah. He makes mistakes. Do not let yourself be shackled by unforgiveness. Do not hold on to a grudge so much that it becomes a prison, that you're building a wall around yourself that you cannot get out and do anything because of this unforgiveness in your life. Let go, live a full life, experience life. It's amazing. Thank God for his unfailing love. Thank God that that he looks upon us and says, you know what, I see that. I see the sin, I see the wickedness. I see the imperfections. I love and forgive anyway. Praise God for that. Do not let the wrongs in your past become the conquerors of your future. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 18 there. Matthew chapter 18, and we will go to verse 21. This is just before the parable that we read at the beginning. It says, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter thought he had a good number. Seven, it works. It's a biblical number. Seven times, Jesus, and I'll forgive him seven times and then he'll be good. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times times. Now, in your relationship with other people, you're going to have to forgive them more often and just more overall than what you would think. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at was not, Peter, it's not a number. I'm not going to give you a certain number that you forgive people because it's always going to be more than what you think. This is some of you that are jumping into new relationships. This is something new. You're like, oh, you know, we just mesh so well and we get along so well and things are just so perfect. You're going to have to forgive them a little bit more than what you think. And they're going to have to forgive you a little more often than what you think. Amen? All right. I, I just, I cannot, I cannot fathom a concept of having something like the China, China buffet card, you know, where they, you, you get 10 of them and then, once you eat there 10 times, you get the last one for free. Anyone? Any of my subscribers here? Any of us on the? Yeah, I see your hands. Come on. Let's be honest. We all have the China Buffet card in our wallet right now, most of us men. I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine that, though. Seven times? 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Am I saying it wrong? Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Notice it was a lady that... My wife wasn't here, so Edie chimed in. Oh, there she is. She snuck in. 70 times 7. Imagine that if you had a card that had that many spots on there. And then once they, once they clicked it, what's that? 490? 487? 488? 489? 490. Okay, you're dead to me now. We have no more. We cannot be on good terms. You met your quota. I cannot forgive you anymore. It doesn't work that way. Listen, do not, do not, if you walk away with one thing this morning, do not let the wrongs of your past become the conquerors of your future. Do not let it take the fullness of life away from you. Um, 
Some of you know, and I've shared this before in a couple different scenarios, but I don't know if I've ever shared it in front of the church. I grew up in a, in a single parent household and things between my father and I really were not good. We really didn't know one another that well and things had always been kind of rough. So when I was 20 years old, we were, uh, we were getting everything prepped and, and sending out invitations to our wedding. And because I didn't know my father that well and didn't have a, a good relationship with him at all, I put my stepdad's name on the invitation. I just thought, you know what? He's been there more recently for me than anyone else. I'm just going to put his name on there. So I did that and I sent it out and I sent one out to him because I thought, you know what? If my real dad wants to be there, he'll be there. And uh, my wife remembers this. We got it. We got the RSVP back and he had scribbled on the card, guess I'm not your real dad and sent it back. And it was kind of took me back. So in my 20-year-old mind, I thought, uh-uh, we're, we're going to settle this. We're going we're gonna to take care of this right now. Things have been bad. Doesn't look like they're going to get any better, but we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this. I knew where he worked. I had a pretty good idea of what times he worked. I knew what his truck looked like. I went to his, to his job. I found him there in the back of the garage. I said, you are my dad, but I want you to, I want you to be my dad. I want you to be there. And you know what? Before, before I had even arrived to his shop, I had made up my mind, you know what? One way or another, one way or another, this is gonna, this is gonna be taken care of. Either I walk away with a relationship with him and that's great and that's wonderful, or I don't, but either way, I'm not gonna let this affect me in my life. I'm getting married. I'm gonna have children. I'm gonna be a good dad. And I'm gonna step up and I'm not gonna let the sins of someone else, I'm not gonna let the carelessness of someone else affect me. I'm gonna walk away from this good. And we talked, we, we hashed it out. And you know, there was a lot of things that I didn't know, a lot of things he didn't know what was going on. And I'm proud to say, I'm really happy to say that my dad and I, we have the best relationship that we've ever had. You know, things are still weird. The scars are still there from, from us not being connected with one another from my childhood, but you know what? I cannot let it affect me. My job is to continue on. My job is to be a good father despite you know, some, some mishaps of my own father. Do not let the things that have happened to you, do not hold on to unforgiveness in your life. Do not shackle yourself to it. Do not build the jail around yourself. Do not torture yourself with it because you're only doing yourself harm. And when you hold on to that unforgiveness, what you're really saying is, God, you know what? I, I know that you see that and you forgive it, but I don't. And when you're having that attitude, you're really saying, my judgment is better than yours, God. And I don't want to be that person. I want to forgive often and frequently. And I do that partially because I want people to look at me and forgive me often and frequently. When we choose love, when we choose forgiveness over unforgiveness, we choose victory, we choose the blessing, and we choose a future of freedom and fullness of life through our Lord and Savior. Let's all stand.
We all know this morning what it's like to hold on to something, what it's like to hold on to a root of bitterness, what it's like to hold on to unforgiveness, the struggle to let go. Maybe there's some things in your own life that you are holding on to. And in order for you to begin living a fullness of life, in order for you to to begin really, truly experiencing a life God intended you for, he needs you to let that go. Unchain yourself, unbind yourself from that and begin to live. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're holding on to it. I'm happy to say you can be free of it. You can lay those, you can lay those things down at the altar. You can lay them down there and say, you know what, God, I'm turning this over to you. This is gonna be yours. You can do that at the altar. I can't tell you how many times I've had things in my life where I've said, you know what, I, I simply cannot handle this and this is holding me down. This is holding me down from doing what I wanna do and, and, and serving the way I wanna serve. So God, I'm gonna have to turn it over to you. I'm gonna have to give it over to you. I did that at the altar. Let's pray and then this will be your time. If you have a prayer need, if you have a prayer request, this is your time at the altar. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, Lord, we wanna live in fullness for you, Lord. Lord, we wanna live lives that are, that are just glorifying your name, Lord, where we are living in such a way. People look at us and say, you know what? Truly God is with him. May each and every one of us live that way, Lord. Lord, may you guide us, may you bless us, and bless this time at the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.